and welcome everybody. This is Wildstorm Addiction, episode number 45 for April 2013. I'm Ben Murphy. And I'm Joe David Solis. And this month we will be discussing Stormwatch 17, Ravagers number 9, Team 7 number 5, as well as some other Wildstorm appearances in the DCU New 52. want to remind everybody that we do spoil these issues but they all came out last week so go pick them up support your local comic shop uh this month on our friends of wildstorm series where we bring a lifelong or recently converted fan of the wildstorm universe we have jill johansson aka ray from clark's bar Jill is one of the regulars at Clark's Bar and is one who gets some heated discussions going on at the boards, especially this past week. Um, she's really good at keeping up with the posting news, and she's an avid Apollo and Midnighter fan, which is quite obvious by a lot of her threads. So, Jill, if you can, please give us a quick background on when and why you started your Wildstorm addiction. Uh, it was with Warren Ellis. I, I'm actually a big Nightcrawler fan from way before I got into Apollo Midnighter, and I was reading Warren Ellis' Excalibur, and uh, from there I made it to Authority and Planetary, and actually also there was also a, a Wildcat X-Men crossover, and which had Nightcrawler, and he kissed Voodoo, so <laughs> I'll start with Nightcrawler. Actually, yeah, yeah. yeah, I noticed with your screen name, you use sometimes called Bamfet, which I think is great. I love that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's why. Cool. Oh, I forgot. Uh, there's like a ton of news this month, as always, at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this may be the last time for a while, but we'll see. <laughs> that's true. Um, I, I guess first things first, our podcast is officially three years old this month. Wow. It, it truly is hard to believe that it's been three years since we started this crazy thing. Um, at oh, they grow up so fast. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when we were in diapers. <laughs> right. I, I think it was just an email, not diapers, but okay. <laughs> um so basically, you know, we uh, started under the uh, comic addiction umbrella, and they let us uh, spin off onto our own after a while. So special thanks to our podcast fathers, uh, Chris Parton and Michael Smith, who uh, still host the Image, Image Addiction podcast. Um, so congrats, Joe. I know. I hope you have champagne. <laughs> well, I did a lot of drinking last night. Does that count? <laughs> Uh-oh. I guess so. <laughs> I'll tell everybody why here at the end of the podcast. All right. Um, <laughs> so after a bit of good news, a uh, little bit of sad news, uh, artist Scott Clark passed away this past month, um, as most of you guys probably have already heard. Um, he came on with the launch of the original Stormwatch in 1993 and was heavily associated with Wildstorm over the years. That is very true. Um, and most recently, we covered his work on the Grifter title, and he was only 43. So, definite condolences out to his family and friends. Um, that is a, a big hole that we're going to miss there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. Way too young. Yeah. To keep moving on, inker Dave Beatty, 
who we had interviewed um, a couple months ago, has come on to our Grifter Facebook page and offered to add some behind-the-scenes material. He recently added a couple of Scott Clark's sketches for the book. Uh, find the Grifter fan page on Facebook and follow it so you can check it out. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and he he offered that on his own when I thanked everybody because I got almost 200 likes, and now it's you know because I'm shutting down. I was going to shut down the Ravagers page, but somebody took it over from me. Uh, I still need somebody to take over the Team Seven page. Um, but yeah, he he's the one that offered that, so he's he's turned out to be a really cool guy. He's really helped us out a lot. Yeah, yeah. Superman Unbound releases on DVD and Blu-ray on May 7th, and it has a preview of the next DC animated movie, Justice League, The Flashpoint Paradox. Um, Grifter had a small role in that comic story, uh, Flashpoint. I guess it was, uh, what, two summers ago? Was that big crossover? So whether or not he'll get a cameo in the movie remains to be seen. I'd be surprised, uh, honestly. (laughs) Hey, man, you can always hope. Yeah, you never know. Um, and in other news, Newsarama reported that there will be a planetary omnibus, a comprehensive collection of the Warren Ellis John Cassidy series, and will include the core series as well as planetary crossing worlds. Uh, no release date announced yet, thanks to John Panazzi. Uh, from Clark's Bar for the info. Did I get that anywhere close? Oh, I, I don't know. I've never, I've never had him tell me how to pronounce it, but he's definitely one of those that's that's helped out a lot. So I figured he'd appreciate the shout out. And Jill, real quick, I assume that uh, loving Warren Ellis, Planetary is a no-brainer for you. Oh yeah, I only have it in um, paperback, so I'm, I'd like to get in hardcover. So yeah. Yeah, I missed out on the uh, what was it? The um, Absolute. Was the one I wish I could have gotten, <laughs> but this one would be nice too. Absolutely, uh, Kurt Busiek's Astro City returns with a new ongoing series in June. While not a War- Wildstorm Universe title, Astro City did make its debut under the Wildstorm imprint and had several miniseries afterward. So that'll be cool. I did notice that they're starting to bring in some titles that are normally uh, under the Wildstorm imprint. So there was one that. Started and got killed in January pretty quickly. So, uh, oh, Insurgent? <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that was sad. <laughs> and a uh, fun little uh, Easter egg, uh, Brett Booth uh, snuck a picture of Backlash onto the cover of Nightwing 21, where uh, Booth will become the regular artist. So that's posted up on Clark's Bar if you guys need to see a picture of that. It's pretty funny. Yeah, and he's a lot of fun to talk to online because I tweeted that to him, and he's like, "Backlash? Where?" You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's somebody that I would love to get on the podcast sometime. Even though we don't have any direct uh, uh, current stuff with him, but he'd just be good to pick his brain on all the old stuff. Yeah, so I was gonna say, I'm betting he he would do it just because of that. He really seems like he loved the Wallstone universe, so we'll see. And finally, the DC Hero Clicks Teen Titans set is out, and we have the first looks of some of the Ravagers and Gen 13 figures in the news section of our site. Uh, be sure to check those out if you haven't already. I know Joe put up like three or four posts with a bunch of pictures and some great breakdown on the uh, the abilities and some of the special powers. So that was awesome. Thanks a lot for doing that, Joe. Yeah, no, I gotta be watching for those on eBay here soon. <laughs> so. Yeah, me too. 
And uh, first up, uh, I think uh, we will let our host, uh, guest host, take it away with the first review. And feel free to uh, not hold any punches there, Jill. <laughs> but, okay. uh, but also don't make it to where Ben has to hit the bleep button so many times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a uh, fair warning. I wasn't a big fan of this issue. Um, okay, so the issue is called The Scream. Writer Pillar Peter Milligan, artist Will Conrad, colorist Guy Major, and Alan Hassel Aqua. I'm not sure if I said yeah, that right. That's what we say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so back to the first page. I have a digital, so it's a little tricky. Oh, okay. Anyway, Engineer, who had previously gone evil, is uh, sending OMAC off to kill Apollo and Midnighter. And uh, then it cuts to Apollo Midnighter and Zealot, and they're admiring her extremely phallic-looking bike. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, just look at this thing. Look at it. (laughs) No, I'm with you on that one, Jill. Whenever I saw that, I was like, you got to be kidding me. I tried to ask uh, Will Conrad who she stole the bike from, but he wouldn't answer me, and Chris Stryker guessed it might be Lobos, but I don't know how that would work, so... (laughs) She's sitting well, there stroking. They're going it. to be fighting Lobo uh, next arc, so that's so you know. Hmm, that'd be an interesting tie-in. Anyway, Apollo is very jealous of uh, Zealot, and he's just kind of making comments about, you know, just is asking if he's. Uh, I mean, I just like with her, and it's just just. Uh, I hate that. <laughs> he's acting like an idiot. He's, you know, it's like a 16-year-old girl who's got all jealous for no reason. Yeah, and I was about to say, I remember that quote you put online. <laughs> that was good. Anyway, then you get a little bit, really bad bit of dialogue. He says, uh, in fact, my solar energy is making me really hot. And then... You've always been hot as far as I'm concerned, Apollo, but Zealous stays. And it's just really cheesy. And anyway, they're just continue talking for a while, and then Omac crashes in on them, and they fight. And Apollo says, uh, Midnighter, stay behind me, I can... But uh, Zealot and Midnighter have things handled. And they fight some more... I think I think I saw that. That's how the script read for this one. I think I saw it online. (laughs) Just fight, 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 fight. There we go. Especially the awesome dialogue of Omac hurt. Oh yeah, that's another good one. (laughs) And then they hang a a lampshade on the bad dialogue here when uh, Apollo says negotiate this engineer, and he says, "I know, not exactly Oscar Wilde." And, you know, that doesn't really make it better. It's still lame, you know? Anyway, then uh, Engineer sucks them back through a door into uh, hyperspace. And we get some more talk between Apollo and Midnighter, where Apollo actually asks Midnighter if he's gay. And Midnighter rightly says, is this really the right time for this? Because they're, you know, they're... In the life or death situation here, and 
Well, you know, if you just leave those issues unresolved, it just gets worse. So I might, I might as well just take care of it right now. So. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, Engineer talks to them. Big glowing gut, glowing head. And she gives them a, an option. She either kills them or she takes over their minds. And she says she's already done this with Harry and uh, Jenny, but Jenny's just kind of drooling on the floor. And, of course, they refuse her offer. And they go in to attack, but Omak uh, has kind of uh, broken free of... Uh... No, first he attacks them. And then he breaks free and he attacks the ship and everything. Yeah, I was saying, I think he disappears at that point. I don't think we see him again after that. <laughs> yeah. He disappears from him and then he comes back and he attacks the ship. I remember. Yeah, now I remember. And then Harry is uh, talking. He says, oh, engineer, you're not quite as evolved as, or brilliant as you like to think. And he's here like, he's going to attack her, but he can't. So he turns instead to Jenny Quantum, who's laying on the floor unconscious. And he comes up with a new plan. I'm not sure how exactly this is supposed to work. But he slashes his sword in front of her and he says, uh, I'm cutting through the very atoms around you. The flying quarks are entering your skull, setting off this synaptic in your brain and uh, then she screams which is presumably where the uh, title comes from well you know what this is it's this cosmic uh, smelling salt is what this is <laughs> I guess so it, it, it really woke her up here and she was like screams and everything just blows up and Apollo, Midnighter, and Zealot get sucked back down to Earth. Uh, we don't see what happens to Omak. And uh, there's a lot of rubble, and uh, Apollo says, did you hear that scream? And uh, Midnighter says he doesn't think it was Engineer. And who else could do this? And it, they look over at a pile of rubble, perfectly generic, and he's like, oh my god, and he's like, yeah, that little girl always did have a bad temper. I suspect they had uh, Jenny's body in that arc, but they removed it, but I can't be sure, because otherwise it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I read that when you said that. I thought that was an interesting theory. It would definitely go with all the stories of DC interfering <laughs> through editorial. Yeah. Anyway, then... Zealot is offers to take Midnighter with her to uh, be a bounty hunter. And, uh, he refuses, and then Apollo and Midnighter finally kiss. The end. Aww. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> Cue the music happily ever after. They fly and into the... Probably the one good part of the issue, I guess. <laughs> Okay, the art's nice, too. I like the art. I like the Yeah, art. I know. Well, Conrad's actually gotten a chance to draw the entirety of both these last issues. I was surprised. Yeah. So. Uh, I guess he uh, finally got back up, got, on, got back on schedule, or maybe yeah. they had 
to do redraws before or something. I don't know. It's when uh, when I interviewed him, I don't remember that being an issue yet. Otherwise, I would have asked him about that. Because, um, yeah, I've seen that. It, it gets even worse with, with Ravagers here, we'll, we'll talk about later. But, but um, so, in a nutshell, Jill... You didn't like the issue, huh? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, one of the big things was at the end of last issue, Jack and and uh, the projectionist get tossed in the middle of a jungle. And it's never mentioned again. It was a cliffhanger, and it's never brought up again. What happened to them? This is Milligan's final issue. He should have, you know, shown what, what became of them, at least. Um... And just the dialogue and how Apollo acted towards Midnighter. I mean, it, it's just... He it was in an inappropriate situation uh, for him to bring that up. And it was just... He could have just... He was just so immature about it. So, yeah. yeah. I don't remember them acting that way at the beginning of Milligan's run... Do y'all remember no, that? I, no, I actually re- rem- that issue. Uh, I don't remember what issue it was, but where they fought Etrigan, mm-hmm. where they were in the bar. I actually really liked them when they were there. I really liked that scene with with them in the bar. Uh, but then then it started. It it was like he had just had to keep adding more and more drama, and it just got old. Yeah. Now, what did you think, Ben? Yeah, there was a lot of odd things going on in this. I don't know why Zealot was even there. Her personality was way off. She, I mean, that is not the Zealot that we all know. <laughs> just, you know, she just kind of got thrown in there the last couple issues. It was kind of pointless. And then she's like, come with me to the stars. Like, that's <laughs> cheesy at best. Um, Will Conrad's art was great, despite... You know, the obviously the bad script. Um, it's really sad to see, I guess, you know, we're, what, we're 18 issues in. This is one of the few titles that has had a strong, uh, I guess, storylines throughout, weaving in and out. And to see how this whole thing finally tied up with uh, Harry Tanner and everything... You know, this is really the last issue. It's kind of disappointing, you know. I mean, yeah, it all fell apart, but it didn't fall apart with grace. Like, it wasn't a big, uh, just epic ending. I'm glad that it's going to get taken over by uh, Starlin and hopefully go somewhere cool. Because this could have been so much more, and I know we talked about that last month. But, yeah, eh. I'm with uh, Jill on this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's really nothing for me to defend here, honestly. <laughs> so, uh, other than the fact that, I mean, Zealot, Omac, it's just a matter of, you know, the, well, Zealot never had a title, really, but she's just been hopping, you know, between a couple of titles here, and it's just weird for DC to be like, okay, we need Omac to stay active. You need to use him. Yeah, it's like they're trying to find a place for them, but they're just kind of feeling kind of shoehorned in. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I don't know why, you know, they're going to take one of their strongest 
titles as far as all the Wildstorm titles that they tried to introduce. They're taking their strongest title and making it the dumping grounds over the last three issues. Yeah, but that, uh, like you said, that just makes Starlin's run that much more anticipated because hopefully it'll fix all this. And I know you're excited about that, Jill. You've been ranting about that for a while. <laughs> so. Well, it's, it's just it gone downhill. Uh, it was okay for the first uh, first half of Milligan's run or so. I, I was okay with it, and it, it just took a nosedive. Yep. Uh, and I'm just I'm just ready for a change, and I'm I'm really excited that we're going to be getting uh, rebooted versions. Like Engineer's going to be alive again. That's a big one. And, uh, of course, Midnighter and Apollo are going to be in their old costumes again. And uh, I think they're going to be together, have a share in origin again from something Starlin has said. So I'm just really looking forward to that. Yeah, they haven't went uh, as far as brought back the old logo, too. <laughs> yeah, I, I, they just showed that. Uh, I'm not sure if that's going to stick around on the covers, but it was nice to see it anyway. Yeah, I'm just surprised that you know, two bare, not even two years in, eighteen issues, and you know they've been able to destroy <laughs> so much history, and they're like, huh, we're really screwing this up. Better start over. Like, how do you only get eighteen issues in and are like, oh, got to reset? Uh. Yeah, that is kind of sad, isn't it? Yeah, but um, it just it just lends itself to all the horror stories we're hearing about editorial. I know we keep bringing that up every episode we've done lately, but it 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 just becomes more and more real the way the more we see this. So yeah, this was the one title that we felt like kind of got away with that or got around that, and then the last two or three issues we've noticed it creep in pretty heavily. So hopefully well, that'll I, end I next think, month. I think. Uh, Cornell actually quit because of editorial med- meddling. He said some things on Twitter and on, on his blog, and I think that's why he quit, uh, because uh, the, all the, the editorial kept changing its mind, and he had to kind of go with it, and I think that's probably just been continuing throughout, and it's added to a lot of the, uh, the uh, directionlessness of the book. That's my guess, anyway. Yeah, well, here's to hoping that they let Starlin do something without steering him all over the place. So, but uh, anything else y'all want to throw in before we move on to the next title? No, I don't think so. We're good. All right. Uh, the next one we have is Ravagers number ten, which was released on March the thirteenth, written by Michael Allen Nelson, with art by Ig Guara and cover by Ken Lashley. And um, speaking of editorial changes, uh, if you look at the interior cover of this one it says that the cover was supposed to be by Gary Frank <laughs> which we never saw even from the original solicit so that was interesting did y'all catch that oh no I mean I, I like Ken Lashley stuff but uh, you know K- uh, Gary Frank always wins in my opinion as we see with the Team 7 covers later but um, anyway with this issue uh, well actually, actually if you look at it you can see Ken Lashley's signature on yeah, it yeah I was going to say mm-hmm. it's not who signed it yeah, no, no, no. You can tell for sure that that's not Gary Frank style. That's definitely uh, Lashley uh, style. It's just the. It's just uh, for what whatever they reason. Printed on the. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, okay. 
Yeah, for whatever reason, they <laughs> credited it to Gary Frank. Nice. And that's what I'm saying. Since they solic- first solicited, it's always been that Ken Lashley cover. Right. So, more editorial woes. <laughs> anyway, so the Ravagers, uh, we pick up with um, Harvest uh, bringing in Deathstroke to help and um, basically giving him some sacred knife called the uh, Abio Blade. Now, I'm not too good on all DC lore, but uh, have y'all ever heard of that before? Is it a DC artifact that you know of? No, I've never heard of it. You would okay. know better than I would. <laughs> well, I but, uh, like, like you, I'm not... I know the basics of DC. I know I've read some of the big stories, but I'm not really terribly knowledgeable out of it. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I didn't, I didn't take a chance to look that up, but I'm just curious. Um... But, yeah, on top of that, Harvest is, is uh, upset because um, of what happened with Rose Wilson and Warblade in that small town and has sent um, some killer robots to go take them out. And so they're in the middle of all that. And meanwhile, we go back to the, the Niles Calder safe house where the Ravagers are getting a chance to relax and they're sharing stories and kind of getting to know each other. You know, Thunder sharing some funny stories about um, Beast Boy and so forth and so, you know, I think they just kind of slowed things down to try to give us a little characterization here. And um, uh, Niles tells Fairchild that that uh, he's actually happy that the Ravagers are relaxed and fire for the first time, you know, in a long time they don't have anything to worry about. And this uh, idea of them being relaxed actually takes uh, an interesting twist here when Ridge, uh, who's finally just relaxing like the rest of them, apparently... Uh, reverts back to his human form which is a child <laughs> so uh, they deduce that um, the reason Ridge stayed in his monster form so long was because uh, he was always feeling threatened and now that he finally feels relaxed he can go back to his original self but even in a human form he can't really remember much and uh, in the discussion that the Ravagers are having they bring up um, uh, Lightning who of course supposedly died um, when they were fighting Brother Blood. And, um, you know, Thunder says he's o- okay with it and he's okay to talk about it, so on and so forth. And that's when uh, Tara shows them what happened to Ridge. And uh, so now they um, they have Ridge as a child amongst them and it's kind of funny that they don't really know what to do with him anymore. <laughs> but uh, from that, we go back to Warblade and Rose Wilson killing more robots um, and they finally take them all out and uh, they determine that the only way to uh, quench Harvest's wrath is to capture um, Fairchild and the others and deliver them to him is and that is that Warblade there or is that the Goblin <laughs> yeah the Green Goblin from uh, yeah. Spider-Man 1 yeah. <laughs> Sorry, all the art changes. There is some crazy stuff going on. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I was saying. Is that uh, even though it's only two, no, it's just Igbar, isn't it? I don't think there was. Because sometimes I'm. Um, oh no, there's Dio Diogenes Nueves too. There is like four different. Uh, oh, there's three different finishers. Yeah. Anyway, I, I'm kind of. It's kind of sad, but I'm kind of getting used to that. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, 
but then they decide to uh, start a relationship between Beast Boy and Terra. So, which I don't, I, I don't know the old Teen Titans. I know we've talked about in the past that Terra, the old continuity, was always known as a traitor. I don't know if she was with Beast Boy before all that happened, but, but uh, regardless, that's what they're setting up here is that those two are together. And uh, meanwhile, back at the safe house, Thunder is still having those headaches that have been bothering him for a while. And here's where uh, more of our lovely pseudoscience comes in, <laughs> where um, Niles basically just uses a device he just happens to have in his safe house. And I'm not even going to attempt to uh, describe how he describes that he brought lightning back, but all of a sudden she appears fully alive and, and everything. It's so, science. Yes, yeah, exactly. Weird science. <laughs> I remember the '80s when you could just create hot chicks out of you know <laughs> <laughs> just using science. Um. So yeah, so uh, so Beast Boy and Terra show up and and they're and they're like lightning, you know, here and and they're like, you know, you two finally hooked up. Basically, is just the conversation and and uh, Ridge is. <clears throat> here at the end uh, getting a midnight snack and he starts having uh, flashbacks of his life before and he remembers his mother pregnant with him and uh, but apparently in the middle of all that uh, it appears that Deathstroke kills him with that blade and that's the uh, cliffhanger for next issue but who here who here really thinks that Ridge is dead <laughs> show of hands show of hands <laughs> eh <laughs> anyway, real quick before we get into Does it. Does it really matter? Is there there's only one issue left, right? <laughs> no, there's two. Oh. <laughs> now, Jill, do you I don't think you do, but do you follow Ravagers? No, but I did get uh this issue and the last one. Oh, Just okay. so I would be able to follow along. But okay, I'm not so. really sure what's going on because I you know, I've missed a lot. So, join the <laughs> club. So, so now <laughs> Now we get to give Chris Stryker a hard time because he did not read the issue that we reviewed with him last month. <laughs> so Jill went See, above I, and beyond. I, I, was, I was good. <laughs> I got this one and the last one. Yeah, you're making up for Chris because he didn't read that last one that he was supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, well, that's awesome. But, I mean... But, well, let's yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know the characters. Well, I, like, I know Warblade and Fairchild from Wildstorm. I know the from like Teen Titans and stuff, but I don't know them in this context. Well, well so. let me start with the question that I posed to Chris last month. You know, being a Wildstorm fan, what kept you away from this title? Uh, I was never really that into Gen 13, and uh, Warblade didn't seem like the same as in Wildstorm, so it, it just didn't hold a... There wasn't much to draw me in, and it didn't really grab me at all. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that seems to be the theme, and that, that's probably why this title's going away, <laughs> you know. Um, also, it, it grew out of um, Scott Lobdell, and I hate Scott Lobdell. So. <laughs> <laughs> Are you one of those, he killed Colossus, so I hate him people? Is that, is that why? <laughs> I just don't like his writing, but that is part of it. I really did like Colossus a lot. <laughs> <laughs> He also killed his sister too, right? And all in the I, same run. Yeah, he he was. Uh, yeah, I didn't like Lobdell. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I, uh, I, I mean, I can see he's he definitely can go some weird places in his writing sometimes. But um, have you heard what he's done recently to the Robins? Uh, yeah, he made 
Tim Drake, not a Robin, but I think no, that... no, it's worse. Oh, <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, Red Robin is mind controlled, and he had uh, sex with uh, Cassie, so it's kind of like mind control rape going on yeah, there. You talking about Batgirl? The not Batgirl in Teen Titans. And yeah. then oh, in Red in, and then in Red Hood and the Outlaws, he melted off Tim Drake's face. <laughs> wow! <laughs> See, how can that not appeal to you? That already sounds interesting. I'm gonna go check that out right now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he he's been very cruel to the Robins this month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I've seen. And also there was Damien, of course, not a good month to be a Robin fan. No, not at all. <laughs> But anyway, that's not Wildstorm. Just saying. Um, well, real quick, I, I, I'll let you uh, just tell us, just based on picking up the last couple of issues, like you said, you weren't really familiar with the characters, so was just was this really hard to follow? I mean, did, did you just not get... Well, I got the basic gist of it, and it seems, you know, it seems fun. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know if it's really my thing. Okay, I got you. What about you, Ben? Yeah, um, I don't know. It didn't do much for me this month, unfortunately. Um, I The art was distracting to me, it jumping all around. Um, I thought some of the reveals were cool. I really liked the Ridge reveal. I thought that was interesting because I didn't see that coming at all. I'm surprised that it didn't happen a few issues back whenever they were kind of on the boardwalk walking out on the beach and they were all pretty relaxed then, but maybe he had his guard up because he wasn't used to being outside amongst other people. But um, I thought that was a great reveal. Uh, bringing lightning back I thought was ridiculous. Um, but hey, no no comic hero ever dies, right? <laughs> Yeah, but at least, you know, let's put some effort into the return, <laughs> yeah. But real quick, one thing I forgot to mention, and this might be the, the, the key to all this, is that only the plot is by Michael Allen Nelson. The dialogue's by Tony Bedard. So that may be part of the problem, that, you know, we really did praise Michael Allen Nelson for the last two issues. And uh, maybe, again, with the lightning thing, a mandate, bring her back. We don't care how, you know. That's that's what it seemed like to me. But why? What, what what good does that do any of the readers? Like, was everybody really that disappointed that she was gone? <laughs> I'm not sure. It's not I like they send, killed off I Caitlin. Or I didn't something. send any emails. <laughs> Bring her back. Uh, Maybe some other writer has plans for her in another series and wanted to use her, so they just had to find a way to bring her back quickly since it's ending pretty soon. Like, maybe she's going to be in, like, the movement or something. I don't know. I, I thought Ridge was a much cooler character, and they decided to maybe kill him. So, I don't know. Maybe there was some odd White House petition or something going on. Who knows? <laughs> I, I will say that, you know, they they did when they did the huge cancellation message, you know, they did mention something about we're going to see more Fairchild and Rose Wilson. So... Whatever these last two titles, I know Jilly been keeping up with those pretty good, you know, marking for us what titles are I think it's only one title that's a mystery now. Is it? Yeah, one title. Uh, I'd have to go and look at my list and see what 
what's you know, been we, announced. But... I because we could go as far as to purport all this other stuff that, that's happening outside of the comics. You know, you got Ravager's Hero Clicks, you got Gen 13 Hero Clicks. You know, that would be the perfect setup. But we thought about that when they did the Wildcats Hero Clicks, that it was all a setup, you know, for that cross promoting and whatnot. But so we were wrong once before. <laughs> so we'll find out in the July solicits if we're wrong again. But yeah, I would love a. Even if it's not another Gen 13 title, if it's got some of the characters at least, we'll see. Well, well, the comments about seeing uh, Caitlyn and Rose again does kind of make me think Gen 13 is a possibility, but uh, you never know, I guess. Yeah. Like I said, this podcast is fueled by hope. Don't you know that? That's the only reason we're still here three years later after all the stuff. Well, we've been I'm through. hoping, you know, Gen 13 would, I think, would be fun. Uh, would certainly have more name recognition than the Ravagers, so it would probably make, be able to get more of a readership so yeah. and do better. And the Young Justice group only has two books in it now. I mean. I know. Isn't that sad? Well, yeah. I don't. I don't really like uh, teen books, but you know, for the people that do like them, that's really sad. Yeah. Well, the movement and um, and the green team technically should have been in that group because they're yeah. both about teenagers. So I don't know where the ball well, is in that one. <laughs> okay, green team. I definitely agree. But from what Gail Simone has said about the movement, I think it's not going to be appropriate for. A, younger readers and I think they want most of the books in the teen uh, the Young Justice group to be readable by young readers as well as star uh, young characters mm. so well, I, I I'm, guess guess, I'm guessing it, that might be the reason I was going to say I guess that takes Gen 13 out because if they do it the way they used to <laughs> Fairchild alone it's not, <laughs> that's true not very though, though Fairchild, the rebooted Fairchild is a lot more covered <laughs> Yeah. And uh, not uh, not as uh, TNA focused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's. I guess that's pretty much all I have. Unless you have anything else, Ben. No. Uh, no. And and we're getting kind of far on time. So I want to get into Team Seven, and I definitely want to hear what you guys thought of this because I don't know that my review can do it any justice. But well, I'm just going to blow through it really quick because. The ending was crazy. So so we have Team 7 number 6 released on March 13th, written by Justin Jordan with art by Pascal Alexei and cover by Gary Frank and Cam Smith. Um, So we start off here with Team 7 in their awesome G.I. Joe flying mobile. And they're en route to the uh, Advanced Prosthetic uh, Research Center where we know that Caitlin Fairchild is currently at from the last issue and we saw spartan there in the last issue and did we also see lady tron in that same facility in the last issue yep yeah she she was begging caitlin for help yes that's right thank you so basically they're uh preparing for a landing here and uh you know it it seems like it's uh, going to be smooth sailing getting into this facility from where they're at. And then all of a sudden, saw blade through the gut, I think. Is, Ouch. Yeah. So right away, all hell breaks loose. And um, 
it's not going very well. And there's a bunch of uh, mechanized drones uh, basically tearing the ship apart. And, uh, yeah, all hands are on deck at that point. Um, so, one down. I guess that's what Ramos is the uh, pilot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's not going to make it very far, everybody, just so you know. But <laughs> before she uh, sends off, she gives them a nice smooth landing, you know. <laughs> Cradles the egg and uh, takes them home. But uh, Waller's pretty upset about this, and uh, Fairchild's like, what? Never lost uh, anybody in the line of duty before? And she's like, no, I haven't. Back off. Anyways, uh, Slade... Gets the team going, decides to uh, kick open the door. Very long leg there, by the way. He's <laughs> super kick. <laughs> quite the ballerina. And uh, they are basically stepping into a big arena with a bunch of, I guess later on he calls them meat bots. And uh, I guess this is Kaizen's uh, first attempts at some of his uh, later on Android style you know with cybernary and everything all the wildstorm cybernetics that we're used to reading this must be some of his first attempts but anyways these skeleton half human half flesh robots are all uh kind of calling out caitlin help me caitlin help me kind of like little babies i guess uh he didn't get very far along in their programming uh it's kind of creepy to tell you the truth they they're Kind of gross. And uh, so they all start fighting them, and we're, I think, already on our second or third artist, and we're only two or three pages in here. Um, <laughs> so they're just uh, fighting their way through this, getting into the facility, um, and they make their way through, and there's a different kind of person calling out, and we could see that it's a woman and she goes hello and then she says daddy and uh right away fairchild uh starts running towards her because it looks a lot like caitlin and uh slade tries to stop her and he wraps his arms around her and you see her glowing eyes and i think this artist did a good job letting us know who was who here but you know <laughs> Alex has long hair, so it could be quite confusing on first glance, but um, you see the back of Alex's head, and then the next page, uh, this Caitlin bot, so to speak, has razor-like claws and tears right through his guts. So No! Yeah. <laughs> it actually... <laughs> this, this Caitlin bot, or whatever the heck you want to call her, and she keeps calling out for daddy... She reminds me a lot of uh, some of the Cyberforce characters with those those claws. Oh, it almost yeah. reminded me of Ripclaw a little bit. Um, so I Dude, was, what? what is up with Alex Fairchild and Max Cash? In all universes, they just cannot stay alive. <laughs> no, no. I, you know, they can go ahead and change every other of our favorite characters, but the characters that are that die quickly, oh no, they continue that. Well, it's, it's tradition. You have to maintain tradition, you know? Sure, yeah, tradition. Like adding a chin spike to a character that never had one. That's tradition. As traditional as Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. So anyways, Alex's guts aside, 
Uh, <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Slade steps in and, and starts uh, fighting this Caitlyn bot, rips off her arms and takes care of her. And uh, I guess everybody can relax at this point. Oh, wait, but now there's this crazy, uh, nasty, flesh, mutant bot that steps into the room and everybody's like, what? And it looks like he's two or three times the height of a human. Anyways, we learn that this is uh, Dr. Henshaw, who is the uh, head robotics genesist, uh, genetist there. And um, he was working with Caitlin in the last issue, I believe. Correct. And um, basically he was uh, <laughs> involved in the Spartan project and the Spartan subject uh, kind of took over. And he was able to uh, get around Spartan's control but he lost his body in that in that uh in that part of it so he had to cobble together pieces of robots and flesh in order to create a being for his uh i guess his soul and his mind so <laughs> i don't know why he but, looks like something out of the anime akira yeah he really does it's kind of creepy um I guess he did that just so that he could wait for Team 7 to come and tell him, tell them that. I I don't know what his motivation was to continue on, but... Well, you know that this is the Superman villain Cyborg, right? Is it really? Yeah, Hank Henshaw. This yeah, the... I think he may actually be... I think he may be actually be lying here, because he is a villain, and his whole thing was like taking over uh, machines and controlling them. Okay, see, that's why I need you guys, because I was really confused by the end of this issue. <laughs> yeah, this is a. They, I'm surprised they didn't talk about this. It's the new 52 debut of Cyborg, basically. Or uh, Cyborg's. Well, what would you call him? It's not Cyborg. Yeah, he's not Cyborg, but he's not Cyborg Superman yet either, so. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to call him. Just Henshaw, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but I'm kind of surprised that I didn't see that anywhere. that well, they seem to make a big deal every time we get a new character. Oh, that's because nobody reads this title, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> we'll email our friends at Comic Vine and be like, hey. <laughs> so anyways, uh, Henshaw, I guess, Dr. Henshaw explains that the Spartan uh, being was going after Team 7, basically, uh, looking for them. Um, but instead, it decided to uh, target Bronson and... Um, they aren't really sure why, but Bronson was, uh, taking some time off with his family and we go to another artist that is completely different. Um, and we jump elsewhere to Bronson with his family. Speaking of Thanksgiving, that's basically what it looks like. They're, uh, sitting down and eating. And <laughs> that was subconscious. I forgot about this scene. <laughs> yeah. Turkey leg, anybody? Yeah. Um, and basically, Spartan uh, catches up with them, finds Bronson and his family, and is able to, I guess, transfer himself into Bronson. Uh, he does a core transfer, and there's a big explosion. We need two pages for that. Thank goodness they didn't actually have to draw any characters, so that was good, whoever is doing this. <laughs> uh, and in the lower right-hand corner, it says meta-activated. And then, yes, period. And we see uh, this super character flying off from the explosion. 
uh, eyes all aglow, and it looks almost like a V-shaped uh, thing on his chest, and we have Birth of a Superman. So, question. Who the hell is this? <laughs> it's Majestic, dude. It looks like Majestic. I know it looks like Majestic, and we had all the Majestic teasers. But why are they using Bronson and Spartan to create Majestic? Well, well, I was hoping that Bronson would be end up being Apollo, because they were dropping Superman hints with uh, Bronson, like all over the place in the early issues. I was hoping it would be Apollo because he was, you know, made. Uh, well, Spartan is. He's an alien, you know. This doesn't fit his origin, so I don't know. Well, yeah. and that's why they were dropping Superman hints, because Majestic in the old Wildstorm universe was basically the only uh, being that was on par with Superman, e- even though they had Apollo, but they did they never considered Apollo to be at the same level as Superman, it seemed. So th- there was always that crossover between Majestic and Superman and, and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll get an explanation of all this craziness next issue, but... Uh, <laughs> One hopes. <laughs> I mean, Justin Jordan has been doing pretty good so far, and a lot of people online are arguing that why did he not start with this one, and uh, they, they feel that he was mandated to start with the Eclipso story, which is very weak compared to this one. Yeah, I, I think so, because art, the, the Eclipso story was in a whole bunch of books, so it was clearly editorial was involved there somehow. So, uh, yeah, I think he was uh, mandated to write that. Yeah, yeah, that sucks. Like I said, a lot of people, just uh, especially CBR, a lot of comments talking about that they wish this was the opening arc of Team 7. They probably would have lasted. Because I haven't heard anybody who had, is not enjoying these last couple of issues. No, I, th- I found them a lot more enjoy- enjoyable than the uh, Eclipso story. And I, I mean, I, I, I liked it. I like that. I like Justin Jordan. I've been a fan of his since Luther Strode. But uh, this is much better than his first arc, for sure. Well, he seems to be the new DC stud because they're taking this away from him and giving him free reign, it seems like. Yeah, I think they're kind of grooming him for to be uh, one of their top writers. Because they're putting him on, what is it? They're putting him on Superboy, Green Lantern, New Guardians, and something else. Can't remember. Yep, that's kind of what it seems like. Yeah. And I guess I guess we can talk about now that, that we were going to interview him <laughs> before all this happened. And I don't think it's going to happen anymore. <laughs> no, oh, that's probably. too bad. Yeah. Um, so... You could still do it though, because uh, you could—he could tell you about like, you know, uh, what went on, and he's clearly a Wildstorm fan. He knows his stuff, uh, so he clearly likes everything about Wildstorm. Even if he's—he's uh, he's obviously changed some things, but he—I think he gets it, you know. Yeah, uh, I yeah. agree. And you know, we were talking a little bit earlier about the Heraclix. You know, it's almost like the guys that are doing the Heraclix know Wildstorm better than the last couple writers of the titles that we've been reading do. Yeah. That's so. actually been one of the really frustrating things about Stormwatch is that they just, they didn't seem to get it. They get the characters that, and it's just, 
they didn't get what made them appealing, the characters, or the the tone that worked best for them. So it was just frustrating. Yeah. Well, we'll see if Starling gets it. So, um, Hopefully. But uh, anything else before we talk about some of the other tie-ins we had? Um because we can continue to talking about Stormwatch a little bit here, because one of the, the tie-ins we had was uh, actually came out on February the 28th, which was All-Star Western number 17, which started a Stormwatch uh, backup story featuring uh, Jenny Freedom. And um, I was pleasantly surprised with this little backup. It was so much fun. I mean, it, it uh, the only thing that kind of threw me off, because I don't remember her personality in the old Wallstrom universe, but here she pretty much seemed like uh, Jenny Sparks. Um, same attitude, same, the dialogue, you know, could have easily been that, but this was basically setting up how, um, how Adam won, uh, recruits her into the Stormwatch of, uh, the 19th century. And, uh, did, did you get it? I know, I know you read it, Jill, cause you, you commented on my post, but did you get to read this one, Ben? Oh yes, DC sucked another four dollars out of me this month. <laughs> oh, you should be reading All Star Western anyway. It's one of their best books. I love this book. Well, I, I I actually did read the issue and I did enjoy it, and I liked that uh, they had Vandal Savage in it, who's in uh, Demon Knights. So I thought that was cool. Anyway, I thought it was a ton of fun. I I, I love steampunk, so this was just everything I loved. It had like. Uh, it had Jenny, and it had uh, all the steampunk stuff, and it was just a lot of fun. And uh, I, I like uh, Palmiotti and Gray writing, and so I just thought it was great. It was fun. Yeah, and it's not clear, but it seems that it's supposed to run, I guess, at least the next four months, maybe? Because uh, it's not mentioned again until Stormwatch 20 solicit, I think. Did you notice that? I don't know. I was wondering how long it was supposed to go. Yeah, I've been meaning to to message Palmiotti and and see because uh, he did retweet us when I talked about to to check this out. So hopefully he'll be uh, willing to to answer. And he's actually going to be here in Dallas in May at uh, Dallas Comic Con. So I may try to score a quick little interview if, because we'll have at least, assuming that it's, it's these coming months, we'll have at least two or three more parts of this before he gets here. So are they not soliciting every time there's that backup in there? Not that I see, but but Jill, you said you've been reading it since the beginning. Is It's three ninety nine because there's always been backups, right? Yeah, and they, they often continue for several issues. It, I mean, it varies, but they, they often continue for several issues. Oh, okay. I, yeah, for whatever reason, they, they just not mentioned in these other, other couple. Um, so I don't know, but but yeah, that, I, I don't. I don't remember how the uh, other backup stories were solicited. I never really paid that much attention. But uh, they, the backup stories do generally continue for three, four issues. So. Yeah, but uh, for those of you guys listening, I would definitely recommend checking this out. I'm actually going to start going digital with anything that's uh, that's not the main titles we're covering, which is going to go down to one here soon. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> But that's probably what I should have done since the beginning because it was just getting too much. And uh, but I like this, doing it this way. Um, I'm, I heard you mention earlier, Jill, that you were looking at one of the issues with us digitally. Is do you get all your stuff digital? Yeah, dude, it, it's just uh, space. 
Yeah, that's the same problem I'm running into. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, I get digital, and then I get uh, trades of the stuff I really like. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do with that. And uh, with this next one, yes, though, uh, which was Deathstroke 18, came out on March the 13th. Uh, thankfully, when I was picking up my other stuff, I flipped through this one because they totally changed this one. This used to have a cover of Warblade attacking Deathstroke on the cover, and they changed it to some nin- cybernetic ninja dude that's attacking him now. That's the focus of the story. The the switch reminds me a lot of what, how it switched when uh, Liefeld left, when they switched the covers and they, they switched the content of the issue. Uh, the only remnant of anything you know that, that might have been uh, before is that uh, at the end, it says that in issue 19, Deathstroke's going to go after John Lynch. So, I don't know if that's supposed to be a lead-in to the Team 7 story that we're already following, or what, but it's just it's kind of weird the way they did that, so uh, don't bother getting 18. <laughs> Wait for 19. Yeah, I think these next two months are basically up for grabs as to what's solicited and what is actually in the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in the coming month of April... Um, we do have on the third Stormwatch number 19, which is the first um, Jim Starlin coming on. So I know Jill's excited about that, and so are we. I definitely want to see what he's got planned. Um, and be sure to check out the... Um, they revealed the Gatefold cover. Uh, Comic Vine has it. If you guys want to go see it, if you haven't already. On April the 10th, we also have Ravagers number 11 and Teen 7 number 7, and the Deathstroke number 19 that we just talked about. And remember that all these books are available digitally, either through DC Comics' website or Comixology.com. They update every Wednesday, and I've recently fallen in love with Comixology, so <laughs> go check them out. <laughs> Except they've been down for about a week because of Marvel's announcement. <laughs> Giving away I 700. I got 107 free issues from them. Oh, wow. 107. I got zero because I couldn't get in. <laughs> Well, I, I was, I happened to, I have a sleeping disorder. So I was, happened to be up in the middle of the night when the site was relatively uh, not, not busy. So I was able to actually get on it and that's, get the, the issues. That's impressive. I mean, the site is back up now, but they don't have any of those issues available right now. They say it's going to be back, though, once yeah. they get their servers back. Uh, in they the order. Smart. They would do it like one state at a time. <laughs> yeah, well, I think they're learning. <laughs> yeah. Um, good press for Marvel. DC, give away a bunch of free stuff. Let's go. <laughs> Crash Comicsology. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some quick shout-outs. Remember to visit the Higher Authorities message boards, Clark's Bar, to continue the Wildstorm integration discussions amongst long Longtime Wildstorm fans at theauthority.ws. You can talk to cool people like Jill here. Um, also, check out our friends of the show, the Image Addiction Podcast, as they cover new releases from the Image Comics and the Savage Fincast, as they cover the Savage Dragon. Both can be found at imageaddiction.net. Hey, real quick, Ben, I wanted to throw something in here about Image Addiction. For those of you guys who, who uh, have seen that we're part of that, that podcast family now, um, you know, Chris Parton, who we mentioned earlier, is one of the guys that got us on here. You know, he, he's the one that helps us out and, and offered to post us on their site. 
but he's one of the busiest guys you know he'll ever meet so <laughs> you know he doesn't get it you know till several weeks after we release it you know which is fine it's not his fault like i said he's busy but those of you who are listening from image addiction you know feel free to come over to our site and subscribe and that way you'll get the podcast when it first comes out and you know and if you forget it's cool because chris will put it up so uh, not a knock against him at all because like i said i know i i know some things are going on with him so chris if you're listening you're awesome and, you know we love you so <laughs> keep up the good work just want to throw that out there <laughs> <laughs> yeah we are on itunes guys uh you don't have to wait for us to post you don't have to go and find it um it'll be available in your uh favorite podcast catcher every time we post so good point and get twice the valiant coverage now with our friends of the show from only the valiant podcast at only and our friends over at culturalwormhole.com in their valiant Fu- future podcast uh joe guest hosted episode four last month and will be on the upcoming episode five as well i don't know why and how you can find the time to do everything that you're doing joe you're insane (laughs) (laughs) i uh i'm like jenny quantum i can uh, bend space and time (laughs) uh it's it's fun. Uh, that that's the only way I can I can get it done. If it's fun, I make a way. So it's impressive. Uh, you can get a hold of Joe. He's uh, twitter dot com slash Joe David Solis. Um, ben, you can look me up on Google Plus. Benjamin Murphy. Um, Wildstorm Addiction is twitter dot com slash Wildstorm Addict, and you can email us at wildstormaddiction at gmail.com and we have a Facebook fan page a Google Plus page and a Google Plus community page for uh, Wildstorm and we are also on Stitcher listen to us on your iPhone, Android phone Kindle Fire, whatever get Stitcher, listen to us and they have a really cool new web player that they updated and Jill, if you don't mind letting everybody know where they can uh, find you and pimp anything that you would like to uh, well, I have a, a webcomic that's going to be coming out uh, in the next couple months. Uh, I have a writer in, yeah, waiting on scripts to come in from him. But uh, it's called uh, Kentoroi, and it's like centaur with a K and O-I at the end. K-E-N-T-A-U-R-O-I dot com. Uh, it's just a fantasy webcomic, and it's got elves and action and centaurs and uh, it's just uh, a lot of magic and uh, intrigue and uh, evil cult that's trying to take over the country and a whole bunch of stuff going on in that. And uh, like I said, it's going to be hitting in the next uh, couple months sometime. Awesome. Depending on when you get the scripts in, so yeah. yeah. And you guys have a lot of stuff up there already as it is. I was kind of uh, browsing through there the other day, and and we'll have the uh, the link up at our site in the show notes um, for those of y'all that didn't get a chance to write down her website. But, yeah, uh, I know it's a cool. bit of a it's a bit of a weird word. It's Greek, so. Oh okay. Hey, well, you can make it a household name when you get rich and famous. <laughs> cool. Um, I don't know if, if this will be out before I before I'm actually out there. I know I mentioned it last podcast, but I'll actually be at PAX East in Boston, Massachusetts, 
March 22nd to the 24th, uh, helping promote my friend's upcoming video game, Magnite Chronicles, which is from Dinosaur Games. Uh, they can be found at dinosaurentertainment.com. And I'll actually be moving to Austin uh, next month uh, to be closer to them, to be able to help them more and more as we get closer to what, uh, you know, getting this done. The demo is just about done here. Uh, we were just showing it off. Oh, that was what the the thing about the alcohol last night was, is that it was a my going away party. <laughs> and uh, one of the things we did is we let everybody play the demo and uh, got a lot of good feedback cause, so we can fix bugs and stuff before we head out on Thursday. So cool. be sure and check it out. Awesome. Well, everybody, next time uh, we'll get some crazy uh, last few issues here of Ravagers and uh, Team 7 and hopefully a epic new issue with uh, Jim Starlin taking over Stormwatch. Until then. Yeah, and thank you so much to Jill for coming on. We appreciate it, Jill. <laughs> yes. No problem. If I didn't you... suck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh. You're awesome. I'm still giggling at the, at the phallic uh, spaceship. <laughs> Everybody go badger Ray on the, on the message boards. <laughs> but be careful because she will badger you back That's and right. she will win. <laughs> Good night, guys. Good night. All right, bye.